The views, comments, stories, and opinions shared within this podcast are our own or those of our guests and in no way represent the views of the companies, associations, or organizations that any of us may work for or represent. All stories, events, and tales shared within this episode may or may not have happened in the manner in which they were told. They may or may not have even happened at all. The details have been changed to protect the innocent and the guilty alike. This is Squawk Ident. Pistol aircraft unauthorized UAS activity midfield uh, over the terminal, kind of by the construction area. Last reported between 300 and 350 feet. And the last report of that unauthorized UAS was towards the south end of the uh, airfield, south of the terminal and construction area between 300 and 350 feet AGL. We don't have a type of color on it. Roger, we'll be looking for you're listening to Squawk Ident, an aviation podcast that explores the many pathways to an aviation profession, the challenges that a professional aviator can expect in today's marketplace, and we share many stories along the way. I'm your host, Aviator Tony, a professional airline pilot currently flying for a U.S. legacy airline with over 20 years on the flight line. Welcome aboard Flight 135 of the Squawk Ident podcast, recorded on the 14th of June, 2023, from the Aviator Sound Studios from somewhere in Southern California. On today's flight, we catch up with Terry and Captain Rob. Together, we will discuss Captain Rob's mainline upgrade experience, what was expected, and how it may or may not have differed from his upgrade experiences at Sandpiper Regional. We also hear about Terry's transition to a new aircraft and what's involved there. We hear from Captain Roger's recent trip. Captain Keith sends us some feedback from London as well. All this and more on this, the 135th episode of the Squawk Ident Podcast. Well, joining us today is a superb aviator and Squawk Ident Podcast co-host. He's a former international professional racquetball champion, a member of the 9G Club, an AMP and avionics tech, an RC aircraft commander, a boat skipper, commercial drone operator, and currently an Airbus pilot for Legacy Airlines. I got to change that. Currently an Airbus captain for Legacy Airlines. The name we use here on the show is an alias to our employer, a U.S. mainline carrier. Joining us from his home podcast studio where he's taking a break from all the Airbus upgrade training. From somewhere in Flower Mound, Texas, help us in welcoming our very own Captain Rob. Rob, how you doing? Hey, yeah, I'm doing good. It's good to be back. Missed a few episodes, but um, man, been pretty busy. Yeah. It's good to be back in the saddle. Yeah, and so, and and this is probably a question some of our listeners might have, and I was just thinking about that. So when you're in upgrade training, you're not flying the line. You're off the line. Have you been nope. flying anything other than the fact that you just completed IOE? Uh, no. Um, well, what was the question again? I'm sorry. So like I, most people think that you okay, you're, you're training and you're still working, flying the line, but once you go to training, that's it. You, you're oh. off the line. So when, before you finished this IOE right. that you just finished, and now you're a fully qualified mm-hmm. captain on the Airbus. Congratulations. Mm-hmm. Uh, Thank you. What, when was the last time you actually flew an aircraft before you got back into the IOE oh, situation? See. Yeah, it was, uh, the first week of June, I flew two trips and, um, as an FO. Yeah, that was it. Two, two, three day trips. So if I look at my calendar real quick, or oh, must've um, been May. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> May. No, no. Nah. Cause we're I'm in sorry. June now. Yeah, we are. Uh, yeah, May. It was uh first week of May. So flew, first week uh, of May. And then they're like, okay, you're going to upgrade class. So going up, no more class, flying the line. I've been through training all the way through up 
through um pretty much finished my my check ride on may 1st mm-hmm. and then had like two weeks off and then i did oe my first oe trip <laughs> okay so you and finish your check another ride. four or five days off then did another oe trip okay and then a couple days off and then went right into my fed ride for and my last oe trip. when was your fed ride uh june 1st <laughs> oh oh okay yep so my first no, you know, out of training trip was started on June 8th. So I had a, a, a four, four day trip on June 8th. And, um, so basically I just got back on the 11th. So that was my first, you know, took the training wheels off and went flying with a fully qualified FO Yeah, who just so happened to have about 130 hours in the airplane. So (laughs) it was kind of funny when I signed in for the trip, you know, it said, uh, you know, you get that screenshot of how many landings and hours of experience Uh you have when you first sign in. Yeah. And it said for me, I had 250 landings, but zero hours, Uh (laughs) you know, and then the FO had like, I don't know. I can't remember the landing. It was like 30 landings and like a hundred and, you know, hundred and hundred hours and change. See, I didn't think that like, they wow. did that. I thought they were supposed to not put you with a new hire for your first, like so many hours. It's only if you're going, I think international, like that uh, big heavy stuff, flying wide body international, at least <laughs> <laughs> if, it, if they Hi. did, I did. Nothing, I'm new. Nothing got yeah, flagged. me too. I'm new too. <laughs> Oh my God. I'll be filing the ASAP after this uh, talk show. So, <laughs> <laughs> yep. When in doubt, just ASAP it. Yep. Oh my God. Well, congratulations. I'm, I'm looking forward to hearing so, more about your training uh, cycle yeah, and, and all the experience yeah, you had to talk too. about it. Yeah. Good stuff. Well, today I also am excited to have another superb Squawk Ident podcast co host join us. He is a retired Army colonel and a former Black Hawk battalion commander. He has commanded Apaches, Black Hawks, C12s, UC35s, and Embraer 145s. He has the master's degree in management and strategic studies and is a Boeing 737 pilot for a little while longer at Transglobal. The name we use here on the show is an alias to his employer, a U.S. mainline carrier. Joining us from his home studio in Northern Virginia, where he is drowning in computer-based training modules. Help us in welcoming our very own Terry S. Terry, how you doing? I'm tired. It's like death by PowerPoint. I guess it's not PowerPoint anymore. It's, you know, actual somewhat interactive modules, but man, there's so much to do. And do you have the computer voice uh, associated with the the audio on that? Uh, No, it's like they use different voices. I guess they're trying to mix it up. I don't know. That's good. uh, Yeah, it's it's just, and a lot of it is stuff that, you know, like... The one I just finished was on the uh, the FMC, which is, it's a Boeing product. So it's the same as the FMC I already use, which, mm. you know, just makes it even worse because you already know it. You're just, but there there's like little things that you don't know mm-hmm. because it's a different aircraft, like different functionality. So like you got to struggle to, you know, not lose, uh, not lose what's going on because they'll every so often they'll throw out that new nugget and you're like, what? What was that? And you got to go back and replay the slide, and it's painful. <laughs> it's a it's a surefire cure for insomnia. Just put in a training module for any yes. airline, 
And it's funny you say that they use different voices because I think over at Legacy, they're doing the same. Uh, but the the Ethos program, the one that I just started myself, um, it, they haven't updated that. So that's the long-term one. And it's, you know, a computer-generated voice, you know, not Siri because that's like copyrighted for Apple, but it's something similar to that. And, you know, you're sitting there and then every once in a while, they'll throw in like two or three questions to make sure you're paying attention. And, you know, you right. answer the question and it goes, you are correct. <laughs> you are correct. <laughs> that is correct. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, it's it's exhausting because I think most of us try to just, we just want to get it done. So we just kind of sit there right. and, you know, usually you're, you're not really giving it a hundred percent of your attention. You're, you got other stuff going on and you're checking emails and stuff and you're just kind of listening along. And as you described, and I'm, I'm sure Rob can attest to the same thing, but then all of a sudden you hear something, you go, Oh, but, but oh, I got to go back now. I just, I wasn't making attention. That must've been important. That is incorrect. Um, so yeah, it, right. it's better to take it in small chunks over time. Um, like I don't go for another month and a few days. Uh, actually, it's oh, 30 day notice now. Yeah, 30 days. I'll be yeah. in class doing the same thing. Um, and because I'm a glutton for punishment, tomorrow I leave for my recurrent training for my first officer. And some of the pilots I've flown with are like, why don't you just call out sick for that and push it into your grace month because you're going to go to training twice in two months? And I said, well, this is a good way to kind of dust off the cobwebs. I haven't been back there in 12 months. And, you know, this way I can do my V1 cuts and everything from the right seat. And then. When I go to the left seat, I'm a little bit, you know, a hand-eye coordination might be a little off, yeah. but at least I'll have the call-outs down a lot more, and I can yeah. concentrate on all the other captain questions they're going to ask you. And so, you yep. know, to go through these modules, it, it can be exhausting. I know Captain Roger Victor, the our favorite puppet on YouTube, and I guess now on TikTok, um, he has some videos that talk just about that, falling asleep to your training modules for your recurrent. Um, it's hilarious, hilarious. Well, today, thank you, gentlemen, for being here. Um, I, what I wanted to talk about, since all three of us have are going through or have gone through training here lately at a mainline carrier, I wanted to talk about that and the differences between what it was like our first time going through initial on the first time going through an upgrade class. And, and what to expect really out there on the line, how to study, um, what some of the pitfalls might be. And I thought that would be something that our listeners would enjoy as well. You know, ever since Rob, you, that you announced that, you know, you were going to upgrade. And I just thought to myself how I was, I've really been following in your footsteps my entire career. Yeah. You know, um, yeah, from, isn't from, the, amazing? from the very beginning. You know, and I owe you yeah. a, a huge debt of gratitude. Um, when I was, you did it all yourself. I just happened to be blazing the trail, I guess. <laughs> well, you were, you were, you know, we sent send in the probe. <laughs> you were, you were always like six months to a year ahead of me. Um, so, <laughs> so like I was, uh, I went to a big flight farm school. For those listeners that maybe have not been listening since the beginning, I, I went to a big flight farm school. Uh, I changed careers and decided I want to be an airline pilot. And I moved the family to Phoenix, Arizona, and went to Deer Valley, went to a school that used to be known as Pan Am Flight Academy. And uh, I did all my ratings, passed all my check rides. And then right before I was finishing my uh, CFIIMEI check rides, uh, the school announced that 
they were going to close the campus in Florida because of the hurricanes that hit that area at Fort Pierce, Florida, uh, two years in a row. Um, something that's in the news actually right now, that uh, there's a mass exodus in Florida from people that are leaving because the homeowner's insurance has gone up 100% in the last 12 months oh, because wow. of the evaluations of the threats of hurricanes. So it's a common thing. It's been like that since I can remember. Florida is a high-risk area. Well, they told us at the flight school that, sorry, we're bringing the whole campus over here to Phoenix. We're going to double our fleet size and double our instructor size. Unfortunately, the students, most of them are not coming with. So we don't have a job for you. Mm. The deal was when you graduate, if you graduated without any major bust, you'd be a flight instructor for them. And then, you know, 10, 12 months down the line, as you build your hours, the regional airlines would hire you, gobble you up. They had agreements with multiple airlines. Well, they told me that's not going to happen. And so when my flight, my designated examiner gave me my final check ride, he said, you know, instead of going to work for Home Depot for six months until, you know, hoping and praying that they call you, why don't you put your application out to other places? And I said, well, I'm going to have to. I, I, I need to work. I need to fly. And he said, well, call this guy. Uh, he's down at a f small flight school in Chandler, Arizona. And the nice thing about it is it's not a farm. So you have people with their own airplanes. They're going to fly all different kinds of GA aircraft. Yeah. And you're going to instruct all different types of people. And it's probably a better fit because he goes, you're sharp. You know, you, you like teaching, you like instructing. So I think that's a good fit. Give him a call. And who do I call? Hmm. Mr. <laughs> Captain Rob. Okay. And he told it to me straight. He gave me all the ins yeah. and outs of, of working uh, there at the Tailwind Flight Center, which is no longer uh, a thing. But yep. um, a lot of great memories there. And as I was walking in the door... Rob was walking out the door to start at Sandpiper. Literally. Literally, yeah. the same day. I took your desk. <laughs> I took your desk. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, I, I saw all the little carvings in your desk, yeah. And uh, <laughs> and about a year later. All the boogers and the gum underneath yep, the, I found the table everything. and the chair. I found everything. Yep. I found that stash you have there in the bottom cabinet, too. That's some good scotch. So, <laughs> so then about a year later, you know, it was time to start applying places. And I had my my goal where I wanted to go. And that's where Roger comes in, our own Captain Roger. He was one of our flight instructors and he and I started interviewing places together because we were both around the same level, same time, total time. And uh, I, again, was struggling to find a good fit. And I called Rob and I said, Rob, what do you think? You know, he's like, come to Sandpiper the alias to one of their holy owns. He goes, they're going to hire 600 pilots in, in 06. And that was huge. That was like the biggest hiring blitz of all the regionals since before 9-11. And I was like, okay, Rob, I'll do it. And I applied on a Friday. I got a phone call on a Saturday. I flew out on Sunday. I interviewed on Monday and Tuesday. I got the job offer. Um, one of the fastest, <laughs> you know, transitions into yeah. an airline you can imagine. So I've been following Rob's footsteps. Rob became a yeah. captain at Sandpiper. Not soon thereafter, so did I. Rob became a Czech Airman. Not soon thereafter, so did I. Um, so wow. Rob, thank you for your leadership. Uh, you know, and I, I know Alex oh. loves it when I say, you know, we all, all as aviators, we have to be very cognizant of the fact that we stand on the shoulders of those who, who came before us. And, you know, our job yeah. is to lift 
those beneath us up. Bring them up. Show them the light. Show them the way. And Rob, you've done that for me. And I just want to say thank you. <laughs> Thanks, man. That's kind words. Uh, you, you owe all the, the hard work and dedication to yourself. I mean, you 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 knew what you wanted to do. And I just happened to be the guy that was just going through it before you. You know, I had the same goals and aspirations as you and just happened to work out, you know, timing wise where, you know, I just kind of took my, you know, it's like pruning a tree. You got to trim some stuff off before the new stuff can grow. And that's kind of like me, you know, I left, you know, tailwind so you can fill that spot and grow that, grow that spot. And here we are at Sandpiper, you know, went there, did my thing and uh moved on and you came in and grew it there and now we're here at a at a legacy and doing the same thing yeah so it's awesome dude yeah it's great it's a great story so terry you know you're you've got a six degrees of separation in this all as well um you joined tailwind uh, a little later in the game and you know just so impressive how your journey your path your your goals were just so aggressive and I thought man someone so young has it so put together and you came in a tailwind you were there not long and you're like yeah I got a job at the regional and actually that is what sparked myself to say hey what am I doing here the people that I'm hiring they're leaving they're leaving before me they're getting jobs at an airline and and that's exactly what motivated me to start getting out the door and start filling out applications saying, okay, that's it. I have enough time. What's my excuse? So Terry, I, I've got a lot of gratitude to you as well. A lot, lot to thank you for because it was you leaving shortly after we hired you to go to a 121 carrier that sparked many of us that were still there instructing with you know over 1500 hours of total flight time and going, wait a minute, these guys are hiring at three, four, 500 hours. They're getting jobs at 121. Seniority is everything. I need to put my button gear and get going. And I believe that's what sparked the phone call to Rob to say, hey, tell me about <laughs> Tailwind. So, man, the three of us, that's that's pretty cool stuff. So thank yeah, you. Yeah, Tailwind, uh, Tailwind was was a pretty short, uh, short stint of my career. You know, I got there in April and I left in August. Um so it wasn't there very long, but, uh, uh, you know, I, I'd kind of gone through the, uh, I spent the last, you know, so I, I could just come off active duty before I went to Pan Am and got my ratings. And, um, I had spent the last year that I was on active duty, just researching and reading and trying to learn about uh, the industry and what was going on and, and, you know, which, which regional do you want to go to? Well, whichever one hires me first. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and I had tried, uh, all of the regionals and pretty much none of them counted my helicopter time. Right. Uh So to them, I was a 300 hour pilot, Mm -hmm. uh, with a, uh, with a commercial certificate and, you know, CFI and all that, but I was still a, a 300 hour pilot. And then, uh, managed to get uh, get on with well, I can say it it's Piedmont um, who counted all of my time and uh, was able to go there initially so yeah yeah it's uh, it's it's uh, you know a small world and uh, like you said six degrees of separation you know we all we all hit tailwind at different times and you know Ken yeah. was at tailwind it's just it's crazy 
And let me just say this officially, uh, you know, if hopefully he's out there listening, but thank you to the T's and Tom Gilfoy, senior and junior. Um, that experience really, I walked away learning a lot and it was their business, their operation, their business um, philosophy that really helped mold my career. So Tom, if you're out there, yeah, thank you. Well, yep. Thanks, Tease. Thanks, Tom. Yeah, and Tom. So, Tom. common common practice for most airlines is to reach out, or, or common practice for most airline pilots is to reach out and to friends and coworkers like yourselves and get what's commonly referred to in industry as the gouge. You know, I, the first time I heard that, I was like, the gouge. Like, did someone get hurt? What gouge? They got scratched. What? Like, no, the gouge, like, the, you know, the Intel, the 411. And I was like, oh, okay. And, you know, since I have, you know, happened to be an aviation podcaster, I thought, why not get the gouge from Rob and share it with all the Squawk yeah. I Didn't listeners? Because I need the gouge, right? And this is what we do. Now, there are those in the industry that kind of keep to themselves. They're introverted and they just want to crack a book, sit in a quiet place, you know, with some bourbon and a fire and a stogie and just sit there and just read the books for hours on end. Dairy. And, and, and that's, that's fine. That's fine. But most of us, like, we just want, we just want to know what, what, what to study. What should I study? What should I study? What are they going to ask me? You know, what are, what are some traps? And they kind of want you to do that. I've never met an instructor that on day one of the briefing before going into the simulator said, all right, did you get the gouge? Are you prepared? They all ask the same thing. That's what they want you to, because it makes life on them easier. As an instructor myself, yeah. and I'm sure Rob, you can attest to this as well, you didn't want to have to fill out any extra paperwork. You just want to go in, check the boxes, give the that guy or gal your blessing, sign them off, and yeah. move on and go home and not have to think about it. The last thing you want to have to do yeah. is retrain and fill out some paperwork. Well, what's the reason for the incomplete yeah. or unsat? You know? So you want them yeah, to be prepared. And at the end of most of my training events, I'm sure both of you have, have heard this very same thing. They, they always end it with, good job, guys. Thank you for coming prepared. Yeah, exactly. And yeah. that's what you want to yeah, hear. The gouges, yeah, the gouges is great. I mean, it's, you, you know, if you get a good gouge, it's exactly what is going to happen, you know, so it prepares you mentally of what you're going to do that day. Um, you normally would, you know, mentally or physically chair fly the scenarios so that you're ready to go in and, you know, perform, you know, the scenario or the, the task at hand. And, you know, nine times out of 10, it's, it's everything that they're looking for um, uh, from a Czech airman point of view to check all their, you know, PTS standard stuff. You know, mm -hmm. did, did they call for the right checklist? Did they call for the uh, you know, that they violate any FARs or they stay within the FARs that you're supposed to, our, our company SOPs. So it's really good stuff. Um, the only thing that I would say about gouges is there's some good training that you can get from uh, the element of surprise. You know what I mean? I, I'm, I, I don't know if I, yeah, oh yeah, if I uh, said it correctly, but you know, because there's there's certain things that you should just know, you know, um, and 
you you really want to be able to handle the situations that are presented with you like you would in the real airplane you know what's you know there's a startle effect most of the time with you know with the big things and you want to be able to you know process the information that you have in front of you you know handle the airplane first you know call for the the appropriate checklist and and uh, tr- uh, you know, secure whatever the problem is, and then get the airplane safely on the ground. And at the same time, you still got to be able to manage, think, and talk, and <laughs> yeah, do all the other stuff that that seems to be really hard to do when you're task saturated. So, you know, so th- you know that stuff. I take, I like, I like the element of surprise because it trains you to just. Yeah, and we, you get you know I remember doing it in in military training and there's there's a lot of stuff that you do that you, you have to just put yourself under that situation with the heart rate up you know the task saturation elevated with a lot of distractions going on just so you can learn how to handle it yeah you know so um you, you don't get a lot of that in the simulator but there's there's some t- there's some scenarios where where I would get the gouge and I'd go through it quickly. I wouldn't study it. I'd go through it quickly. I'm like, all right, we're going to get a V1 cut. The V1 cut was just like all the other V1 cuts, but you don't know if it's going to be an engine fire with, you know, producing thrust, partial thrust, you know, are you IMC, VMC? Are you going to, did you just ingest two birds and now you've got both engines that are, that are, you know, going crazy on you? Is it something that you can, you know, handle normally and continue, you know, runway heading and continue to climb and meet all the climb restrictions? Or is this something you're going to be like, we need to teardrop right back right now and try to do something. If not, we're crashing into a city. Yeah. You know what I mean? So single engine profiles. Yeah. There's, uh-huh. Yeah. And then, you know, and you know, you have a dual engine failure at low altitude checklist, but are you, you know, in that frame of mind right now, like, man, what's going on with my engines? Where am I going? What's going on? You know, you, did you even call for it? And that's, that's <laughs> Start TPU right wonderful away. Wonderful point, Rob, because, uh, you know, yeah. we say, we boast that at Legacy Airlines on the Airbus, we have zero memory items. But right. that is a very, very um, incorrect, inaccurate, <laughs> inaccurate <laughs> statement because you just yeah. mentioned one one thing of the thousands that can go wrong. One yeah. thing, dual engine failure yeah. at low altitude. Okay. And on our EPC yeah. or our emergency procedures checklist, right? On the mm-hmm. EPC, that's on there. I think it's item number four or five. Mm-hmm. Uh, dual engine failure at low altitude. Okay. It's number seven, but yeah. Is it? Okay. So <laughs> dual engine failure at low altitude. Oh, so you're at low well, altitude. Number, number seven. Let's say, yeah. let's say you're at thousand feet and you have boo, both engines roll back. You just took off with 200 people on board at 180,000 pounds. Let's just call it light today. Are you going to pull out your checklist at 1,500 feet after the startle factor and go, let me read this checklist to you. Let's see what to do. Um, Item number one, Captain says, no, you better know that by heart. You don't have time. I mean, yes, legally, you have to pull that checklist out and and follow it. Make sure because now your adrenaline's pumping. You might forget something. You might rush it. You might skip over something and make everything much, much worse. But those are things you have to know. And we always joke around. What is it? Uh, Section 16, part one of the AOM. It's the uh, non-normals. And we always joke around. Those are the the non-memory memory memory items. 
the mm-hmm. non-normals. So <laughs> are you are you seriously going to yep. pull out your EFB, open up, yeah, open time. up my comply, search for the homepage, look for where it says Airbus fleet, click on the tab yeah. that says AOM, go to the table of contents, go to windshield. Oh, I forgot to log in. So I got to oh, log in. in. Yeah. Oh, got to sign, <laughs> you know, go to the table of contents, look for windshear avoidance techniques on departure. Yeah, no time. Um, yeah, you don't have, that's not, that's not, not only is it not practical, that is not the way to do it. You're going to end up a big smoking yeah. hole in the ground before you even get to it. So yeah. those, those are yeah. non-memory memory items. they're not required Mm -hmm. for you to know them verbatim, but you better damn well know what to do. Right. And this is the stuff we train for every year when we go to recurrent, once you're on a fleet for a while, you know, you're going every, whatever your airline program is, six months, nine months, 12 months, whatever it is, you go and you do these because when are you going to do them on the line? Hopefully never. So the gouge, that's where you kind of go, Oh, they're going to give you this year. What they're doing is they're doing a low level, Dual engine failure. Oh, now that gives you an opportunity to go before I go into the sim for that day. I think the night before I'm going to review dual engine failure so that it's fresh. I've, I've, I've yeah. pulled it forward in the forward recesses of my brain so that when it does happen, that startle factor is minimized. And now I go, oh crap, I remember this. Because in the sim, it's like bang, 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 one after another. So, but you, you yep. raised a very good point, Rob, and this is, this is the Czech Airman in you. I would much rather have a candidate that struggled a little bit, but didn't know anything about like what to expect. They had the startle factor and they fixed it. They used their knowledge, their systems knowledge, their procedures knowledge, and they fixed the problem. They ran through the checklist. They kept it within PTS. They landed the airplane safely. Then having somebody that had the exact gouge, knew exactly what was coming verbatim. And you can tell because they almost spit out the answer before it presents itself. <laughs> it's like they're waiting for it. Yeah. You know, they got that hair trigger. <laughs> I'd much rather have the first than the latter because the latter doesn't really show me that they're prepared when that startle factor comes up. So ec- yeah. excellent point. I think Bob. the way to, the, the way to think about gouge, or at least the way I, I treat it is and, and, you know, we don't want the listeners to think that the gouge is the answers to the test. It's not. Um, if, you, if you treat it more like an outline to kind of guide your studies, yeah. um, that, that's really uh, more practical and, and better, for, better for us as pilots, yeah. uh, I think, uh, because, you know, it gets you... It get it gets you back in the book, but you know, anytime you open the book and you start digging around for something, trying to read something and, and look at something specific, you always pull in stuff from other parts of the yeah. book, right? Yeah. Um, so so tangents, think of sure. it as more like an outline as opposed to the answers to the test, okay. and uh, and I think it, you know, it's I and and kind of like you guys, I I don't like I'll get the gouge, but. It, it's not what I focus on exclusively. You know, you, you've yeah. got to, it, it's everything, everything that we got to know. It, it's, it's so, uh, I guess the, the width and the breadth and the depth. Yeah. It's not, it's, it's not just a narrow, you know, yeah. okay, I'm doing a V1 cut. This is it. No, there's yeah. so much other stuff out there. So yeah. I, I think of it as a guide. Yeah. 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 
And then I recommend yeah. all you listeners out there that are thinking about going to an airline someday or, or, or at an airline and you have a, a good full career ahead of you, get yourself a composition book, a notebook, something that's unique to yep. your training environment for that aircraft. I've had this, you know, I, I, I bought this 99 cent composition book uh, my very first day at Legacy. And, you know, I, all my notes, I try to, I try to write neatly in here and I date everything. I try to do it chronologically and I put in all the information that I need, what we did, because as we all know, after you, after the, uh, the, the simulator comes off motion, we Ram dump everything. Like we've been overwhelmed Mm -hmm. the whole time. The second it comes (laughs) off motion, you're like, how did it go? What, what, where am I? What, what time is it? What time's the van back to the hotel? Is it oh beer thirty? Yeah. What you know? Um, so I write down as many notes as I can, and then I go back and go. Well, you know, he's like the instructor said. I need to work on this, or I need to work on, you know, my wind shear avoidance, or I need to go work on my um, terrain avoidance procedure. And because I was I was passable, but he wanted to see it cleaner, better. Yeah. So I would write that down, and then in a day or two, I'd go back look at the notes and go review it and stuff like that. Okay, and then ram dump that information because, hey, <laughs> that's what we do. But what, what I wanted to t- uh, focus on today was the process on going through an upgrade. Now, most airline pilots will go through initial, it's a great experience. It's usually six to eight weeks of training, a lot of ground training, a lot of home study nowadays with AQP programs. But we don't ever really hear about upgrade because ah, you learn it on the line. And talk to the pilot next to you. They'll tell you all about it, right? Well, Rob, you just went through it. I'm about to go through it. I want the gouge, man. I want the gouge. Now, <laughs> so I want to know it all. I want to program your brain so that you walk in and you're, you're good to go, right? I just want to plug into the matrix <laughs> and be like, I know Kung Fu. You know? So yeah. it's, life is not that easy. So tell us, how did this all start? When you first found out, you were, you've been at Legacy now for six years. Right. So yep. you were on the seven three for a good portion of that time. And then for the last year or so you've been on the Airbus. And when did you did you expect to get this captain upgrade when you when it happened, or were you thinking it was going to be further on down the line? Um, I pretty much knew that uh I was gonna get it this time around for for uh dallas based because all my peer groups have already upgraded in the northeast and miami and and actually i believe a couple of them already transitioned um back to dallas okay um so and and as it is you know when i when i got the award i think there's like 25 pilots junior to me so i feel like i may have been able to get it Actually, I don't think I would be able to get it on the previous bid, but I think through mutual base transfers and all that other fun stuff, it ended up being where I can just hold Dallas. Oh, so that's and, interesting. You said mutual base transfers, and and I know at Legacy yeah. we do those, but so tell me about that. Yeah, yeah, mutual base transfers is basically a process within our um, rank and file or pilot group where. You're awarded, let's say, a base in New York, and there's a there's another pilot that is, let's say, based in Dallas, 
but the Dallas-based pilot doesn't want to be there. <laughs> he wants to be in New York, and the New York-based pilot doesn't want to be in New York, and he wants to be based in Dallas. And that New York-based pilot seniority allows him to hold the base in Dallas. He They can mutually um, agree to swap bases and um, not have to go through a bidding process uh, amongst the 15,000 pilots. So basically, mutually, they agree to swap bases. I see. And that's why they call it a mutual so base transfer. Potentially... There's a couple, there's obviously a, yeah, there's obviously a lot more, you know, con constraints on with all that stuff, but that's yeah. essentially. Well, you could have potentially that. taken the first upgrade that was available to you though out of base like Miami like you mentioned or the northeast yes and then yes. you could have said well it would two have been like ago, an hour uh, a year or so before this oh. upgrade so okay so you could have been a captain yeah, like a all, year ago but you would have had to commute and then you would hope exactly. you'd put in for a mutual base transfer and you would hope that you're next on the list and the next person that is say uh in Dallas that got Dallas and they just want to be right. in New York even though that it could be unlikely, but it could it's happen. Rare. Someone could move, yeah. you know? They, yeah. And so then you would yep. be the next on the list and they'd say, okay, you guys can swap. Kind of like a pilot to pilot trade for your, for your sequence, your schedule. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So, but you so, held out because you yeah. didn't want to commute like I held out because I didn't want to commute. So, um. Don't want to commute. You, you got the notification. Congratulations. I remember when that happening and, yep. and your phone started blowing up, right? <laughs> Um, it was a happy day, right? Happy everybody day. congratulates you because everybody sees the uh, the awards at the same time, pretty much yep. through an email, a company email. So all your coworkers find out, which you know, and then you know, you share the uh, they share that news with you, and you share it with your family. So now everybody knows yep. <laughs> that you're upgrading. Yep. Um, and then shortly after that, you get your training notification on when you're going to actually start. Um, you, you get that electronically through your schedule and, and, uh, not only do you get your start date, but you also get the information on, you know, who your instructors are, where it's going to be. Cause we have, as you know, now we have several training facilities throughout the country, Charlotte, Dallas, and Phoenix now. Yeah. So, um, yep. So you can plan accordingly there. And, uh, so you, within a short period of time of getting all that information, just like you, you get pushed all your information to your EF, EFB for ethos, which is our, uh, systems training modules that everybody has to go through initially. Mm -hmm. And, um, and it's for initial, initial training. And uh, as you know, now, um, upgrade training. Mm -hmm. So, um, you have to go through the whole thing all over again, <laughs> um, yeah. sit through all those modules and it's actually pretty nice, right? You, you yeah. kind of gain some knowledge as you go. It, cause you know, cause initially you go through it and you're, you know, especially if it's a new airplane, I think, uh, Terry, you kind of expressed a little bit of this earlier. You're like, oh, you know, it's all the same, but then there's some differences there. Um, you know, so for us, uh, going through the upgrade on the same airplane, it's it's really nice because now you're like oh you know I know way more way more I know way more about the airplane now than I did initially yeah and now some of the stuff through the ethos is really starting to make sense mm -hmm. 
where before it's kind of like rote memory and, you know, level one knowledge. Now you're like two or three levels down, you know, so you're, you're really getting deep down into the, 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 you know, systems knowledge of the airplane, which makes things so much easier when you, you know, when you're presented with an ECAM message, you know, which is, you know, the system, there's ECAM messages, the, uh, the airplane's way of telling you there's something wrong with the system. So, um, Anyway, electronic centralized uh, monitoring system. Gotcha. <laughs> What's that? The electronic centralized uh, <laughs> monitoring system. Yeah. Aircraft monitoring. Yep. Aircraft e-cam. monitoring. Yep. Ecam. I always, I always have a hard time remembering what that acronym stands. I know for, we, but... <laughs> we were joking around shows ago, but uh, yeah, I won't forget. And then you that. got an upper ecam and a lower ecam, which is also the upper du and the lower du. But <laughs> yeah, and the ew it's like five uh, different names for the same EWD, thing. Ewd. Ewd. Yeah, yep. Or engine warning. Yep. Just whatever. Oh god, so many engine acronyms, man. If you don't like acronyms, yeah, find another it's, career. It's, yeah, it's crazy. There's we're, what we're referring to, folks, is 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 the there's like five five different names for the same thing. <laughs> yeah. So Typical. Uh, you say one, and it it applies to them all. Mm-hmm. So, anyways, you uh, press through that uh, that ethos is something you have to uh, knock out, and it's not it's not something that you can do in a day or two. It's it takes a couple days to get through it all. Um, as Terry knows, some modules are quick. Some of them are, you know, 10 or 15 minutes long. Some of them are hours long, you know, an hour, hour and a half long. Um, and there are questions you have to answer at the end. So this is actually your actual systems training for the training syllabus. So when you walk in to class day one, you are supposed to know the airplane yeah, at least they're not going to spoon wise. feed you in class with slight. No. I know Alex was kind no. of uh, he was talking about this because he when he went through his initial, we did an episode called you know drinking from the fire hose, and where Alex explained exactly what he went through through his initial training at his first one twenty one carrier, and Rob and and Terry as well. Uh, you both uh, can remember back when you were first got or when you first got hired at a at a regional airline. That I mean, it's all new, you know. You're just like you're out there, yeah. you're bright eyed and bushy tailed, and you're just ready to go, and you're eager. And back then, we didn't have EFBs; we had kit bags, kit bags that weighed forty five pounds <laughs> because they were full of books, Jeppesen manuals, and um, you know, uh, aircraft operating manuals, and and your standard operating procedures for your company, yeah. your flight, your uh, uh, what do you call FOM operations manual. Or OM, you know, and you can, yeah. I actually like that better because I'm a tactile learner. I like to touch it, feel it, yeah. you know, manipulate it. And with paper, you can put a post-it in there. You can yeah. highlight, you can, you know, put a little yeah. tab. So, you know, oh, single engine emergency procedure. Let's tab that. Cause you know, I'm going to be going through that every single day in the sim. Um, with electronic, you can't do that. It's more yeah. cerebral. You have to sit there and you can bookmark electronically, but of course then a revision comes out and all the bookmarks don't match. So what's the point? Yeah. So you got to have your little composition book and you can put notes in there yep. and review and, and oh, every note that I take, I reference the page. So like FOM 13-7, whatever. So I can go, well, yep. I don't understand what I wrote. 
And it's right there. I'm not looking for it. 13-7. Um, so you, Rob, you're saying that you're, you know, you go through yeah. all these modules. It takes time. You can't rush these things. You do a little bit every day. Um, preferably yeah. not when you're at cruise because you're not supposed to read <laughs> yeah. any material that's not related directly yeah. to the flight that you're operating at that time in this, in the phase of flight that you are in, AKA no reading the USA today. But mm -hmm. back in the day right. when we had paper, it was different. You would study, yeah. you can, you can reference. And now the manual. <laughs> yeah, I have no idea what changed. Like I was having a debate with my captain yesterday. We're coming back from uh, Kauai, did a, did a one mm -hmm. leg out, one leg back to Kauai and uh, over two days. And he was talking about something in the Hawaii guide. And I said, no, when you do an HF check, aren't you supposed to put it at 5,000 or 10,000 and then do the check and then put in your, your, your transponder codes. And he said, listen, son, <laughs> he goes, I used to fly 747s and seven five seven six triples, all that stuff international. He goes, that's not a thing. Okay, I don't know where you got that. I'm like, I got it from the Hawaii briefing guide when I first got hired and checked out. It was in there. That's what you're supposed to do. He's like, son, it's not. And I go, it's in there. So I, I go and I'm like, I didn't make this stuff up. I'm not pulling shit out of my, my butt. So um, sure enough, it's not there. It was updated like in 2021. And I didn't catch it because you just push yeah. a button on your tablet and it's, it's updated. Yeah. Hey, congratulations. You have the most recent material. But I didn't. Yep. catch that they pull that out so yeah it's things like that that frustrate me and it's things like that yeah. that the it, check airmen know so they're gonna go ah yeah so, ah, ah. <laughs> well see that was the other thing that i i kind of was uh you know had a, a learning experience a little bit of a learning curve is you know there's a lot of things outside of of flying the airplane that you know, that should be general knowledge you know just like you know, pulling into the ramp, you know, we have the clean ramp policy everybody talks about, you know, nothing, nothing can be in the safety zone. Mm -hmm. And it says that in our FOM and everything, but it's just a very, very, very short, you know, statement in there that says, hey, nothing can be, you know, within these lines. Right. But there is a lot more to it than just that little statement. And where do you find all that information? Well, you know what? We have it all in our EFB if you're just willing to, to look and study some of that material because there's a lot of things that happen on the ramp that we need to be aware of, not only operationally but safety-wise, that, you know, that we, so that we could safely operate our aircraft in and out of the airports. So in our ground procedures manual, they have all that stuff in there. We have access to that through our manuals. So you, when you uh, search for like, hey, what is the what is the guide person? What is what is his job really? Where is he supposed to stand? What are the signals he's supposed to give us? What are what are the allowable? You know, uh, there, there's I mean, I, it's hard to pull something right out of the hat right now. But, you know, there's a lot of stuff in there that is not directly into in our FM one. Other than it just saying, hey, you know, they will be stationed here. They'll be ready for you. Things have to be outside the line. There's a lot more to it than that. Right. But just, you know, leave it, leave it there. But and then, you know, maintenance wise, you know, with our maintenance manuals, you know, what do you do with a write up that they forgot to sign off? You know, there's there's a there's a discrepancy action taken, but they didn't sign it. You know, date, name, employee number. Right. 
sometimes you call maintenance and the guy comes out there and he's like, well, I didn't sign it. I mean, I didn't, I didn't do the work, so I can't sign it off. Right. And like, I agree. You can't. <laughs> nope. You got to call the guy at home. But and hopefully he answers. <laughs> there's a procedure in our manuals that covers that. Yeah. It's in the ground procedures manual. So sometimes you have to say, well, I'm pretty sure in the ground procedures manual, there's a, there's a situation that covers this and you may need to escalate this up through your managers if you're not aware of the, of the, of the, of the procedure. And then that's when they take the blog book and they disappear for half an hour and they come back magically with a signature. <laughs> wow. See, and I, but, this is the first I'm hearing ground procedures yeah. manual. Yeah. GPM. If you look at it, GPM, what's it under? Here, let's take a look here. Let's learn together. Ready? <laughs> Spoken uh, like a true checker, man. Terry, <laughs> take notes. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Go to your collections. I did. Go here to Charter Ops. Charter. Which I don't know why it's there. Okay. Uh, and Charter Ops, okay. Uh, like the fifth or sixth one down, it says General Procedures oh. Manual. General Procedures, okay. Okay, that's that's for like ramp operations and all that other stuff. That's our gotcha. general procedures manual. And then if you exit out of that and you go down a little one more down further, it says ramp operations manual. Oh, wow. So this is where you look up, you know, what are the crew chief's job, how are they supposed to operate, what they can and can't do. So, you know, Man, we never like, go into these things. No, you're like it totally says charter ops, but. Yeah. Well, that's, that's, they just put it in there. Okay. They just put it in there. So, so, so these EFBs, we used to carry around two manuals and our Jeffersons, right? Mm -hmm. And then when they got really heavy, they said, okay, the captain will carry around the AOM and the first officer will carry around the FOM or mm. vice versa, right? Okay. So that way we lighten the load in the back. That was two books, two manuals. Yeah. And our charts. Now we have what? Like 80 <laughs> manuals in here? In you got the EFB? whole company. In like this, the it, it entire library, this, yeah, the entire company's library, in here. and it's all there. We just have to know how to find it. Yeah, and that's probably the yeah. best advice, you know. And thank you for this demonstration because that's probably the best advice you can give a new hire today. And that is okay. You're going to learn the airplane. That, that's not that's not a problem. They're going to make sure you yeah. know the systems. You're, you're going to learn the airplane. You're going to learn the operation. Okay, you, they're, they're going to make sure of that. What they won't sit down and spoon feed you is the contract. So mm -hmm. take time a little bit once a week, maybe give it 30, 30 minutes a week and get mm -hmm. to know your contract, especially on reserve, get nothing better to do anyway, because they will bend those rules. They will make mm -hmm. it work in their favor. You need to know your rights. And the minute you start doing something that's outside of the purview of the contract, you're now setting a precedence and you're hurting your fellow pilots because then they're going to, if you say no, because you know your contract, then they call the next guy or gal and she says, or he says, yes. I'll fly that, mm. even though it's not, you know, contractually a thing, then they set a precedence. And so everyone should know the contract. The other thing is dig into your EFB, learn how to navigate yeah. it, how to find stuff. Because in an emergency or a non-normal procedure, when you're up at cruise and something comes up and you're like, I've never seen this before. We're all guilty of it. I had this happen just the other day. So and just a side note, uh, we were in... Den Denver. Okay. We were in an aircraft. It was a basic. We push off the gate and we got an ECAM message. Okay. The ECAM message 
we were scratching our heads. I don't remember exactly what it said. That's not the point. But the point is this ECAM message, we had like an ignition fault of some kind. And so we're going through it and we're like, I don't, I don't know, this is weird. Well, let's call MOC. We call MOC and they're like, oh yeah, that, that's weird. Let's return you to the gate and have maintenance come out and take a look. So they came out, took a look, they reset a bunch of circuit breakers, restarted some computers, message went away, we pushed off the gate, started the engines, and off we went. Okay, they balanced the AML, everything was copacetic. As we got to cruise, it was bothering the captain. The captain's like, you know, I think I read something about this. So he's searching through the EFB for a good 30 minutes in cruise. And it was directly related to the flight, so it was perfectly legal, right? Mm -hmm. And he finds it. It's a bulletin. Yeah. A bulletin that not even maintenance knew about or could remember. And the bulletin, basically, the gist of it was, at high elevation airports, if you get ignition B on any of the engine faults, this particular fault, you can go ahead and ignore it and clear the message. It is something that we know about and is a not a no-go item. You can go ahead and continue. And he goes, damn it, I knew I saw this bulletin. It's from like a year ago. <laughs> And I'm like, we're supposed to remember all this stuff? I mean, so yeah. it, that's the part of being a captain is you have to do – and he felt bad. He was like, damn it, we, you know, we, we're now an hour late because if I would have just remembered that bulletin and I'm like, well, I should know it too, right? And so it's not just your fault. Yeah. And MOC didn't know it either. So, I mean, you can't, you can't yeah. possibly retain all that information. We do a good job as aviators, but you can't possibly retain yeah. all that information. So, yeah. you know, I thank you for, for sharing all these experiences with us. We're going to talk a little bit more in detail, some of the major differences, and we're going to talk more about your training and Terry's uh, transition training right after the break. Please remember to tip your stewardesses on the way out. Yeah. <laughs> All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back from the break. Well, we've been talking with Captain Rob and Terry, and we've been talking about training, EFBs, the gouge, upgrade class, uh, computer-based training or CBTs or modules. Um, it's a lot. It's a lot. There's a reason that pilots you know, have been always held in high regard in terms of uh, I hate to say the word intelligence because we all know a few, uh, but in high regard with the ability to retain a lot of information <laughs> and and apply yeah. it appropriately <laughs> to ensure the safety yeah. and safe operation of the airlines and the airline industry and the aircraft. So, you know, thank you to all of you out there that are thinking about this career, that are in this career, that are making a difference by operating safely. You know, you're not thanked for all the good landings and all the good choices that you make that saved everyone's life. You know, that's expected of you. Yeah. You know, but the truth is there's some days where the, the decisions made on that flight deck could have gone completely different and could have ended up on the news internationally. And, you know, you're not ever thanked for the times that you avert disaster. So, yeah, hopefully this what we're talking about here recognizes that a little bit you know thank you for all of yeah. you that operate safely yeah. and that do the right thing you know that are not reading the usa today while the captain's rotating if you want to rotate <laughs> yeah hold on i got a sudoku yeah. i gotta finish yeah. here um yeah. well one thing you know you're, you're actually bringing up a good point um one thing that was really really uh kind of refreshed in my training mind was when i went through our plm class 
which is a professional, was it professionalism, leadership and mentoring course. And you'll have to go through that. It'll be, it'll be a three day course yeah. for you. And, um, you know, if you listen to the gouge on the street about PLM, a lot of guys are like, oh, that's three days of, you know, stuff you didn't need to sit through. Boring. Um, I disagree. <laughs> there was, there was uh, the, the, the instructors that, um, that led the class were great. They kept everybody engaged. It was entertaining. Um, you, you had the chance to meet a lot of the managing directors and vice presidents of the company, which, you know, whatever, you know, that, that's, that's, you know, it's good and bad. Um, but the, the thing that was neat was when you go tour IOC, which I know you did that before as a, as a new hire. Um, but now that you're a captain and you're a lot more in tune with, you know, the operation, you go revisit IOC and you get to roam the floor for an hour Mm -hmm. and you can talk to anybody you want. And it really, really becomes apparent to you how much support you have on the ground. When you encounter any of these challenges in the air, whether it's mechanical, passenger, weather, operational, you know, if you've got a sick, you know, uh, a sick crew member at a hotel, uh, you're international, there it's, it is amazing how much ground support you have sitting in that one big operations building. And the main you know, the, the, the brains, I wouldn't say the brains, but like the control center of the, the, the brains of the control center is the duty pilot. Mm. He sits up on the perch in the middle of that big room and he has the bird's eye view of the whole center. And, you know, that, that one individual, or actually there's a couple, always a couple there at a time. Um, you know, that, uh, person is a great resource for anything you have going on, um, you know, in, in, in the air or on the ground. And I don't think a lot of people remember that we have that available to us, or I don't think they understand how much (laughs) is sitting behind that, you know, that, that uh, radio call or phone call that you make, you know, when you need help or you need guidance. Mm -hmm. So, that's something that you put in your hip pocket when you go out there and you train and you go hit the flight line or whatever, you know, just remember there is a yeah. lot of people there to support you. Yeah. yeah. We, we often, you know, feel like we're, we're, we're on our own out here. I mean, how many yeah, times have you, you heard do. that from crotchety old captains? Like, mm-hmm. Oh, we're about dispatcher, a bunch of young snot nosed kids. They don't know what they're doing. We're on our own out here. That couldn't be further from the truth, Rob. Thank That's you for, true. for even mentioning yeah. that because yeah, our IOC um, operation control, integrated operation control. It, it is like, it's like Houston, we've got a problem. It is like a NASA yeah. space center yep. that thing. They've got these giant monitors with like weather and radar all over the world. And they have yeah. these desks and it's all like super fancy. Yeah. I wish the public could actually see what it's like it, over at Legacy Airlines. It really is amazing. You know, it, it really it, is. And you have so many people. And the minute, you know, on a normal pretenses, you know, you have a couple people watching your flight. Everything's going mm-hmm. okay. The minute weather rolls in, okay, now you got a couple more people watching your flight. The minute you have air traffic control delays, okay, now you got the the ATC coordinator 
That's talking to the aircraft coordinator. That's talking to the dispatcher. That's talking to the loads planner. That's talking to the passengers, um, customer service planner. That is there. There's a rep for everything in that center. And yeah. so, you know, you, you have all these people yeah. that are trained specifically to ensure that you get out on time safely and get where you're supposed to go. Yeah. And we sit there and we forget because we feel like we're on our own because we, what do we see? We see each other. And occasionally we'll send a text message to our dispatcher. Hey, uh, yeah. so-and-so, or, or we'll yeah. get a text message from our uh, crew coordinator going, oh, you've yeah. been reassigned. And it's like, ah, oh, yeah. I'm calling that for take. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> so yeah, there, yeah. It's, it's nice to experience that. Thank you for, for, yeah. uh, for yeah. mentioning how much you appreciate that. And the, the yeah. captain leadership uh, mentorship program. I know yeah. uh, we've had Kevin, uh, Captain Kevin Elmore on the show many times. Mm-hmm. He's a, he's a big part of that leadership program. Um, and great. you know, other, other pilots that we've had uh, on the show as well, like, like Captain Greg Jones, uh, we talked about the leadership toolbox. All these things are important. You think, oh, they don't affect sure. me and I don't, I'm not a leader. Yes, you are. We all are, whether you want to be or not, you know, the yeah. minute you ping those wings on and those epaulet bars on your shoulders yeah. and you're walking out there in the public and you're commanding an aircraft with hundreds of thousands yeah. of, of, you know, pounds of fuel and loads and people and yeah. cargo. It's it, it's very crucial that we yeah. understand the severity of our roles here. Yeah, the, and the 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 thing, the gist of it all is is you know you can boil it down to almost two statements, um, and 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 how we operate, how the airline operates, and how you know all aviators should operate is big. The number one thing is communication, right? If you have to communicate, communications is primary. And SOPs, follow your SOPs. Your SOPs will keep you, you know, where you need to be in the green, down the middle of the road. You know, when you start to vary off off the center line, your SOPs should correct you back to the middle. And that's something I think you're going to find very apparent, not only through PLM, but also through you know, the whole, whatever, six weeks of training that you're going to go through um, is, you know, everything that we do is um, com- revolves around SOP and communications. Um, even the folks that work in the big glass palace, you know, the the big corporate headquarters that we just built a couple of years ago during COVID, you sit there and you're like, God, is this place necessary? You know, it's a big, big building with glass and it's very, very you know, gawky and <laughs> obnoxious, which is really awesome. <laughs> it's pretty cool to be be honest with you when you walk in there. But everybody in there is doing a job to help support what we're doing out there on the flight line. You yeah. know, so um, as for a good example is the safety department. I have a good buddy that's one of the directors there in the safety department, and um, he runs the ASAP program. So anything that goes ASAP in our company goes across his desk. And um, when you, when I have, you know, personal conversations with him, I mean, there's obviously a lot of stuff that he's not allowed to talk to me about, but, you know, he can give me some, you know, hey, something happened and this this is what they did. You know, what do you think? And I'm like, man, what a bunch of idiots those guys were, blah, 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 blah. You know, what I would have done is this, this, that, that, and this. And he's like, yeah. Well, we're, you know, investigating it and, you know, the NTSB is involved and, you know, Boeing's involved, blah, 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 blah. You know, and so you really sit there and you listen to, you know, his his uh, angle of the operation 
And it really does kind of su- surprise you to the fact that, you know, these guys are here to help make our job safer. Uh-huh. And, you know, these guys write the books because a lot of times, what do we say? The books are written in blood, right? That's right. That's right. <laughs> so a lot of times, you know, the stuff that comes out of the, the the offices, these emails and changes to our manuals are because of stuff that they discover. Um, and, you know, the what's the first thing that they got to do? They got to communicate that with us and they have to make it an SOP. So you know, through those channels. And that's why it's important for us as pilots, when we see something that we think is is wrong on the flight line or is unsafe, you know, we need to communicate. We need to say something. We have to use our channels to communicate that with the people that make decisions so that they can investigate and determine if there is a change that needs to be made in the way we do things. And the, one of the ways we do that is through our SERS report. And ASAP yes. reports. Yeah. So if you see something, whether you think it's small or not, just serves it or ASAP it. It's it does it takes it doesn't take long for it to for you to do that. And you'd be surprised. You know, you may actually stop preventing an incident or an accident from happening by doing that. So yeah. And a lot of communicate people communicate SOPs. Yeah, the what do you call that? The um the SERS reports is what we call like a like a an email we send to like the chief pilots of the departments. Um, yeah. And it's crew, crew, something reporting events system, crew events system. Yeah. And then the ASAP, ASAP program, people think it's a get out of jail free kind of thing. No, it's uh, not just when you no. mess up. It's also like, Hey, I noticed this. It's a safety issue. Um, you know, uh, I've noticed that it's an uptick of rampers walking into the safety zone area while an engine is running and the beacon is on, you know, and this is happening a lot at this particular airport. That mm-hmm. could be a thing. It could also be a good thing. Hey, I noticed that at this airport they did this and that really incre- increases safety. Mm-hmm. And I just want to say good job. An ASAP can be a, a kudos as well. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and, but absolutely. if you don't say anything, it's going to happen knows. 200 times before something bad happens. And it could have happened. One, one yeah. report could have saved someone's neck, you know? And I know it's true at, at Sandpiper. It's true. It's trans global. It's true at legacy. It's true across the globe. Everything is data driven. You have to have, you know, information in a database collected somewhere reported, Mm -hmm. you know, on paper and computer verifiable before anything happens. So if you just tell somebody, hey, this is happening, blah, 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 blah. You know, they're going to look at you and be like, well, did you report it? Well, no. Well, then it didn't happen. What do you tell me? Exactly. (laughs) It's like, uh, it's like the hotels, you know, you had a bad experience at a hotel. Oh, this hotel sucks. Okay. That's nice. Did you report it? Well, no, I don't have to, I shouldn't have to do that. Um, yeah, you should, because if you don't report it, who will? And, and if you, if you had a bad experience, that means, you know, 20 or 30 other people had a bad experience. Maybe we need to change hotels, but if you don't report it and if nobody reports it, if they get one bad report, they're going to ignore it. If they get a hundred bad reports, we're going to be out of their lickety split. So it's, it's every aspect of the operation is like that. Absolutely. So now, uh, to circle back to, to, to wrap up your training experience. Yeah. Okay. So you Off got, you got your training. Sorry. No, no, I, <laughs> that's the whole point, right? Um, you, you go, you go, you get your training, you did yeah. your, your ethos or your, your modules, your online yep. training, right? You show up to ground school. 
You did yes. what? Uh, nine days of ground school. Yeah, I forget. I think it's nine days. With the uh, CPT IPT trainers, so the cockpit procedures trainer and the instrument procedures trainer, basically touch screen computers um, that are uh, laid out in the uh, position of a cockpit. So you you sit in front of these these uh, touch screens, which look like the uh, the aircraft that you're flying. And all of the switches and buttons and rotary knobs and um, all those things are actually selectable on the yeah. touchscreen. It's like Microsoft um, Flight Simulator. It is right? Microsoft Flight Simulator on steroids without the visuals. Without the visuals, yeah. <laughs> without the visuals. So, so now your ground your, school, uh, uh, did you have like a classroom environment at all? Yeah, so... It was so. It's just you and your uh, your your sim partner. Um, so there is nine no... times nine times out of ten. Yeah. Uh, with, the, with the way we are, the rate that we are hiring um, pilots, uh, you're going to get a new hire. So oh, okay. this is a great. That's a great learning um, curve for you, Tony. You you'll you'll be going in, you know, as a upgrade captain, and since you sat in that right seat, you know you're gonna be the second instructor in that room helping that guy spool up to getting spooled up to speed with call outs and flows and you know they don't pay hey, me it's to time do that. for the that's uh, not my job <laughs> it's time for the briefing you know what do you need to hear winds weights and temperatures you know yeah. and then he's going to be like oh shit what what do i need to th- what weights what weights am i looking at you know where do my eyes need to go and all that stuff so a lot of that stuff is uh it's good for you because you know, you're in training and, you know, you're going to, you need to know what you need to hear. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and you're going to, you know, block out all, not really block out, but just kind of disregard all the stuff you don't need to hear. But yeah. there's certain things that you have to hear, you know, in the left seat from your right seater, um, performance wise, checklist wise, call out wise, you know, all that other fun stuff. Yeah. Um, so yeah, you you kind of iron all that stuff out uh-huh. there in the in the CPT and IPT environment where it's designed for you to learn and make mistakes and and learn from your mistakes. Going yeah. through your flows, triggers are the big thing, you know. And what do they call ten- them at uh, at Trans Global, Terry? Do they call them triggers and flows on the Boeing product, or what do they call it when an event happens and that that's your cue to read a checklist or do something? I, I don't I don't think we really have a, a formal name for it. I mean we just we have our flows. Yeah. They just call it flows. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Like us ten minute it says in, in our little green mm-hmm. bar at the top, ten minutes prior to departure, within ten minutes prior to departure and when fueling is complete. There's your trigger. All right. There's a trigger. And then what's and the flow that you pumps do? on, make right. sure air is blowing, seatbelt signs on, check your you know, cockpit DV window and make sure your EFBs are off and all that stuff. uh, Good mention. So I get in the airplane the other day and (laughs) I'm at, uh, where was I? I was in Ontario and it's the first flight of the day. What it's, it's, we used to call it a kickoff flight. Now we call it a right start flight, whatever. It just means it's the first flight of the day. And therefore you have to do a little bit more than you normally do in your cockpit preparation flow. You have to do your first flight of the day checks. And at at Legacy, anyway, uh, either the captain or the first officer can do that. It's just whoever's at the airplane first. Now, personally, 
my rule, which I think it was a sandpiper thing, was when you do your first flight of the day checks, both pilots should be present in the flight deck because I think it's important that both pilots witness the first flight of the day checks. And most of the time, the captain's doing them while the first officer is out doing the pre-flight walk around. So that doesn't happen very often. But if the first officer is the first one there, the company says you can do it on your own. I, I kind of like the idea of both pilots being present because, you know, it's just another set of eyes and it's kind of a trust thing. You know, did you do the first flight of the day checks first officer? Yes, I did. Oh, well, uh, I'm going to do them anyway. Cause it's part of my flow. You know, what does that mean? Hey, yeah. captain doesn't trust you. You now have already established a barrier of communication. <laughs> Congratulations. Yeah. So yep. the, the DV windows or the cockpit side windows, right? Part of your pre-flight flow for every flight is to ensure that they're closed and latched. And the red indicator indicates that they're closed and latched. We get to the airplane. That's the only time you should see red. The only time you should see red. We get to the airplane. We do our, I did my walk around. I did my first flight of the day checks. And I'm doing my flow. I do my oxygen test. And as I turn my eyes to the oxygen test, I notice that my window's closed, but it's not closed and latched. There's no red indicator. And I look over at the captain's side, and his window is closed, but not closed and latched. And I went, Captain, did you do your pre-flight flow? He's like, yeah. I went, watch this. And I just grabbed the handle and pushed it forward, and click, the red knob, the red button came popping up. I went, window closed and latched. And he goes, oh, shit. And he looks over, and pop. He goes, window, it's closed and latched. And I'm like, who would do that? Wow. Who would do that? And I'm thinking what probably happened and just as me, my deduction, they probably came out early in the morning and it's usually cleaning crew that does this. And they open the windows in order to clean the windscreen. They have like a squeegee. Oh yeah, that's right. So they sit on, they sit on the window, they hold onto the bar and they use a squeegee so they can reach and they clean the window. And when they close the cockpit, they probably were a little too gentle. They closed it, but they didn't make sure it was closed and latched. Um, They didn't push it hard enough. And that's probably what happened because our windows were very clean. Yeah. So at first I thought, who the hell would do this? (laughs) I'm going to have, I'm going to write them up. Sabotage. Sabotage. Anarchy. (laughs) Well, that's a SERS report right there though, right? I, well, that's, I Should told be. the captain, are we going to, and he's like, no, nah, I don't want to get anybody in trouble. I'm like, yeah, we should probably file a report that they need to be more careful. They can train somebody to make sure it's locked. He's like, ah, no, 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 it's fine. Yeah. It's part of our flow. We should be checking it anyway. Yeah. I'm like, oh, okay. That's true. Yes, sir. Yeah. So anyway, so, okay. So you do, so there is no like classroom environment where there's like 30 people in a classroom. You go straight into, no. from training at home, you show up day yep. one and you have a day partner. one. You will be standing in our crazy schoolhouse waiting for your new hire to find the classroom. Cause you know how our, <laughs> our rooms are all laid out. It's like You're a government like, building. He's with no probably windows. Yeah. lost in some, you know, third floor or second floor, oh, the wrong man. wing of the schoolhouse. Cause uh, he doesn't know his way around. Cause this yeah. whole time he was at in training, he was down in the auditorium. Right. Right. Yeah, so they come in, they do the trainers, the CPT, IPT trainers, the beautiful yep. touch screen, the 3M screens are it's gorgeous. Do yep. not bring uh, food and drink in that room. Uh, yep. And so then you go through that program. Now you go into the simulator, correct? The simulators. Okay. Yep. And now when you're in the full motion sim, you start out day one. I think there's a day where you just kind of go in there and you, you practice all your 
push yeah. buttons and they don't even take yeah. it off. Motion. And actually, before you even get into the simulators full time, there's there's a couple of opportunities during your CPT, IPT mm-hmm. time where you actually go into the, the, the actual simulator mm-hmm. uh, without motion. Yeah. And you do a couple uh, takeoff and landings just to do get some the, flows. Yeah. Yeah. Get the flows going. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, then you go into the actual simulator and you start day one from scratch. I mean, you do normal takeoff and a normal ILS landing. Yeah. And pretty much the whole sim environment that first day is getting to know the airplane, you know, yeah. how it handles the different. Uh, different laws of the flight control system. Um, you know, they'll start failing a couple flight control computers to prove that, hey, even though you lose a couple of flight control computers, this thing will still fly in normal law. Yeah. You know, and then they'll start downgrading things. I'm like, all right, now you're an alternate law because you lost this. This is how it handles. You still got everything works, but you lose some protections, you know, and they start bring it down and even lower. Okay. Now you're in direct law. You know, you lost all these protections. You're actually flying the airplane and then you get, you know, direct law with like the uh, manual pitch tra- or you, you, I forget what law, I think that's, I forget the law after direct law, but basically it's manual. You know, you, manual you, know, you have is the, the, uh, the trim wheel yeah, manual reversion. <laughs> I think it's called manual reversion. There you go. So, so the- yeah, you see, start, you know, flying airplane around a little bit, just kind of get a handle on how the thing works. Um, That's my favorite the because the only way you have directional control is you have uh, some mechanical linkages in the rudder. That's it on the That's Airbus. It. Then you have trim yep. that'll help you with pitch That's and not it. the entire horizontal stabilizer, just the, the, the trim wheels. That's it. And then yeah. you want to you wanna do some yaw. Uh, differential thrust is available. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that's it. Yep. Congratulations. Yep. Good luck. And now you know why 737 mode. pilots are afraid of the Airbus. <laughs> <laughs> <I know. laughs> but so. yeah, so, so you do that and then, mm-hmm. um, then you do your, what we call a MV or QMV maneuvers validation. That's where they're evaluating that yeah. everything Actually, you've learned. There is something we missed, which is a kind of an important part in between all that. And you just reminded me of it. You do your systems validation, right? Oh yes. The, Before, the at the end of ground school, mm-hmm. um, all of that ethos training that you just went through um you have to take a hundred tests 100 question test mm-hmm. and pass with i think it's 80 percent or better so yeah. um it's going to be a piece of cake for you tony because you already flown the airplane but you'll probably have a little bit of a uh, test anxiety like i always do before mm-hmm. going in so you'll study up pretty hard but it's all based on the questions that we have online yeah um don't need to go anywhere else to study it. Just, All 17,000 of those questions will be available to you. <laughs> yeah, just, you know, pick, figure out which systems you're weak on, study those. And yeah. it's an open book test anyway. So there's few questions there if you just right. flat out don't know it. Book, bookmark it in your ethos and <laughs> move on. Yeah. You'll probably get a 98, 99 anyway. And you'll you'll miss one because you answered the question wrong, but you knew the actual question. And you may miss one just because you flat out didn't know it. Right. But um, so it's pretty systems simple. validation at the end of ground, and then yep. you get in the right sim the and you do all your simulator training, all your your stuff, and yep. then you do your MV maneuvers validation, right. where you're doing your V1 cuts and all that stuff, and then right. you do your your loft or your LOE or yeah, line I forget which ones comes first. I think it's the LOE comes first. Line observation. Um, 
What's the guy evaluation. Last night? Yeah. Yeah. So that's where it's like you're in the sim, but you're conducting it as if it was an actual flight. And actual you may flight. or yep. may not get an abnormal situation. You might get a right. ding and you know, oh, what's that? Um it says yep. uh, a fuel pump is is not working. Oh, yeah. What's the procedure say to do? Turn it off. What's that else to say? Yeah. Continue. Okay. Yeah. And that's it. That's yeah. that's you know, usually it's yeah. pretty or you much get one like I had where you there's not even a procedure for it. It's just bang has failed. Yeah. And it doesn't even ding on you. It just presents itself. Oh, you so know, it's Amber a, Ecam with no ding. Yeah. You know, no oral warning, you just a visual and you're like, Oh, okay. My aircraft. You know, all yeah. right, this is we got this. It's not a this is not a quick action or an ecam exception. All right. Yeah. Ecam actions. Ecam actions complete. Clear right. this. All right. Yeah. Boom. Clear. Checking for follow-ups. No follow-ups. You know, something simple like that. Yeah. Those kind of get you can get you distracted because there's nothing. Yeah. Don't go down the rabbit hole. Don't don't sit there and look for a problem. Exactly. If there's nothing, if there's no follow-up, you're done. Yes. You can write it the up. The only on the thing I would say is if you do have something that pops up like that and you're flying, especially in the sim environment, you're probably gonna be landing at an airport where there's low visibility. <laughs> Does so it affect the blue pages are going <laughs> to tell you what systems are required for certain approaches, RNAV, right. GPS, CAT1, CAT2, CAT3 approaches. So decide what approach you're going to do and decide on that decision tree if right. that system is affected, you know, um, that yeah. will, if that system will affect your, the, you know, the, the category of approach that you're going to do. Yeah. You may need to do something else. In the spirit Whatever. of the gouge, before we move on yep. to Terry here, in the spirit of the gouge, I have uh, re recurrent qualifications coming up tomorrow. And, you know, I was going through what the company puts out as a syllabus, what to expect. And I've read the gouge. And in there, you know, we're doing like Mexico City to Dallas Fort Worth with an alternate of San Antonio. And, you know, they kind of go, you can expect this, you may get this, the checkerman may give you that. At least you're kind of in the know, it, kind of generally what you're going to expect. Like you said, use it as a guide, mm -hmm. not as the as a reference for all, the all-knowing, because then when they give you something completely different, now you're not prepared. So in there, it says, uh, in cruise, you're going to get an ECAM failure of a system. And I forget exactly what it was. But that mm -hmm. then reduces you to, from Cat 3 Dual to Cat 3 Single which is a single mm -hmm. autopilot cat three kind of thing or a single channel cat three, however, I forget the exact terminology. And when you read the ATIS to Dallas Fort Worth, it's a hundred overcast, which is not a limiting factor, but the right. touchdown zone RVR in the NOTAM of the ATIS is not available. And for cat three single, when you consult your blue pages, which is what we call our reference for mm -hmm mandatory equipment for any particular type of approach it says touchdown zone must be available so if you don't right. catch that and you try to attempt to land congratulations you just failed your <laughs> loe so yep. the gouge gets you thinking about what you can expect so to trap those errors it kind of gives you a heads up and so i know that if we get that scenario if that's the one that plays out, I know that I'm going to make sure that I have my highlighter with me and I'm going to highlight those little moments at the bottom of the ATIS that might have some information that's very pertinent to your situation, yeah. like touchdown zone unavailable for 
the runway in use at Dallas Fort Worth. And so they expect right. you to divert to San Antonio. And you divert to San Antonio, you land the airplane, and the chair grabman goes, Congratulations, guys, you passed your LOE. Good job. Take a break. Come back. We're do rad. <laughs> 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 yep. which, which is another high stress environment. Now, Terry, <laughs> um, you have been at Trans Global now for a short period of time, the 7 3. You just found out that you're going to be transitioning to bigger and better airplane. Um, no offense to 7 3 drivers. I, it's a fantastic airplane. We, we just make fun because <laughs> in the spirit of, you know, what we do. Um, so you're doing the ethos or what, what do you guys call it? We call it ethos. What do you guys call it? We've got uh, two different systems that we use. Um, one is uh, more for, uh, it's the kind of the corporate system that they use for everything corporate. Like, you know, your, uh, anti-discrimination training and your active shooter training and and in that they they throw in like basically all the modules that have to do with everything outside of the airplane okay. so like uh procedures such as international procedures um let's see what else the uh performance systems like the computer that they use to to calculate performance uh, and then we've got a, the other system that is specifically related for, uh, related to the aircraft, uh, where all of the systems modules are. So mm-hmm. I just, uh, just counted up. I have a total of 60 modules to complete. I have completed 14 and, uh, <laughs> you should that not be doing even, a podcast and, right now. You should be doing yeah, your modules. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That doesn't even include the, uh, like studying the airplane, you know, flows yeah. and, and all of that. So right. I got some, uh, I got some work to do over the next several days. Yeah. When's your <laughs> yeah. deadline on that? Um, I have to have everything done before the, the, uh, the systems validation, mm-hmm. um, which is, I want to say, I don't know. I think it's day four. Five or six of training. So you got a couple of weeks then. I got about, I got about two weeks. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Well, so. good. And so far, has it been like what we were discussing at the, on the onset of this podcast? Has it been pretty monotonous and hard to stay awake or is it engaging and exciting? <laughs> uh, so far, it's been more of the former, <laughs> but it, it's all been, you know, the procedural stuff like, uh, the the ones the ones that I just finished were actually uh, CPDLC, mm. um, and uh, you know we we've used CPDLC on the the seven three fleet. So you know again it was one of those things where you gotta you gotta stay awake and alert so you can catch the differences, right? Mm. Because it's funny the the module that they actually ran was uh, they say in there. Uh, the screenshots you'll see are from the 737 FMC. Oh, okay. Uh, but the screens should match what you'll see in the 7576. Um, so nice. you gotta gotta stay awake, you know, to to catch those those differences as they pop up. Yeah. But uh, that's uh, that's all I've gotten through so far is is those. And actually, uh, I got a I got credit for a bunch of the uh, international procedures modules um already because our cqdl for this 
they we do we do them in four month blocks. So the CQDL that I've already completed for this four month block had a bunch of the international procedures modules already in them. So it gave me credit for those for like I don't know eight of the, the modules that I did through uh, CQDL. So nice. Yeah, I got a lot of work to do. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yes, sir. Yeah, well. Good one, luck. One module at a time. That's it. That's right. <laughs> Just, you know, don't, don't cram at the last second because you won't retain it. No. Um, so good. Well, gentlemen, thank you so much for, for explaining and, and joining in on the discussion on this training. I know there are plenty of listeners out there that appreciate the gouge, um, which yeah. <laughs> so be it. Um, I, I do want to get to a couple more things before we wrap up the show today. Well, on the last show, uh, on the onset of the show, we mentioned that we were going to play some video feedback from Captain Roger, who was on a, on a fantastic tropical layover. And because we ran short on time, we had to push it to the next show. Well, here we are, next show. And I wanted to give Captain Roger the time. Uh, he is very gracious in sending us this video feedback from his layovers that now, unlike layovers for us airline guys and gals, where we're at a place for 14 to 30 hours, depending on where you're at, um, he gets to stay places for days and days and rents cars and, and likes to hang out and go surfing and you know, all that kind of stuff. No, he doesn't do that, <laughs> but, but he did take the time to send us this video. And I just wanted to share his audio and video with all of you. Hello, everybody. This is Captain Roger. Aviator Tony made a request the other day. I, he had asked me what I was doing, and he made a request that uh, I do a short video on on where I was going. So this is Captain Roger in Grenada. Grenada. I'll be hanging out for the next, I guess, five days. Today is Saturday. We're leaving, I guess, on Wednesday morning, I think it is. I know my friends at Legacy Airlines had some big news come out yesterday, of which I had to laugh at their group text message about their agreement in principle or theoretical agreement in principle <laughs> and I'm out here in I guess what some would consider paradise where I'll just hang out for five days while they squabble over contracts I just kind of had to laugh at that pretty empty here actually I'm told last night that the busy season here is over the summer and then December maybe for, for Christmas break. But there's like nobody here. We were the only airplane on the ramp other than an American Airlines 737 that I assume came from Miami. And the hotel is actually pretty empty. It's just at after 9 o'clock in the morning right now. There's the hotel building right behind me. Actually, my room is on one of the top floors up there, probably right about there. We're at an all-inclusive resort. We've only been here for 12 hours, maybe 18 hours, but you can see there's like nobody here. Temperature is pretty warm. That's what you'd expect for the for the Caribbean. Highs are around 88, lows around 81. Occasional rain showers and 
muggy and humid. But you could do worse. Worst places to hang out for five days. Gonna wrap this video up for now. Hope this finds everyone well. Hope to get another show out to you very soon. Well, thank you so much, Captain Roger. Um, always fantastic to see how the other half live. <laughs> Yeah. I'm a Grenada for five days, and that is my room right there overlooking the beautiful, majestic ocean and listening to the waves all night. <laughs> Didn't sound like he had much on his uh, on his calendar that day, huh? <laughs> no, I, I pretty, uh, guess not. Like, yeah, let's see what we're going to discover today. Yeah. Well, uh, I, Roger, so proud of you. Thank you so much for, for sending that in and sharing it with us. Um, maybe there's some listeners out there that think, I don't want to do airline stuff. I want to fly charters and private corporate and, and you know, do five-day layovers instead of <laughs> one-day layovers. <laughs> you know, so good good for him, man. Good for yeah. him, you know. And meanwhile, we're here talking about, you know, all the gouge yeah. on the training and he's work, over there. Work, 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 contract. contract. <laughs> <laughs> well, Roger's not the only person that has sent us some video feedback. I have been very fortunate to have uh, what I would consider a friend of the show and a friend of mine uh, who's getting ready to retire very, very soon, uh, Captain Keith. We were doing a segment for a while, uh, Where in the World is Captain Keith? And he's been so gracious to send us feedback over these past few years of doing the show. And he just did a layover not too long ago, and he sent it to me, and I got to apologize. I did not get the link um, until later. He, and he asked me, he said, you know, did you ever did you ever get my link for the video feedback I sent you? And I was like, no, I'm so sorry. Well, he did send it to me. We, we figured it out. And I have a little bit of that to play for all of you as well. While you're going through that, I ran into um, Captain Vic Barber. Oh, yeah, Vic. we had Vic. on flight number 88. Yeah. Show number 88 back in September of uh, 21. Mm -hmm. He's now a Czech airman on the 7-3. And I bumped into him a few times in training and uh, through the ops hallways mm -hmm. uh, down there at Legacy Airlines in Dallas. And he said to say, said hi, and he enjoys the show. He still listens to it. And um, I told him, thanks, man. You know, it's good to run into him. And thanks for supporting the show. Yeah. And uh, he tells all his, uh, all his, I guess, yeah. <laughs> I don't think we should call them IOE students, but his, uh, you know, the new hires, Hey, you want to listen to a good podcast? Really? Yeah. Well, thank so, you so much, Vic. You I mean, I, yeah. I enjoyed having him on the show. He was part of our 20 year anniversary of nine 11 special. That's um, right. Fantastic yeah. interview that we did, um, right after the show he was on, uh, so much to learn from him. And, and the fact that he's yeah. part of the flagship, um, yeah. Uh, you know, uh, yeah, flying the for DC Legacy Airlines DC three flagship. Yeah, that is so cool. Um, Detroit yeah. flagship, I think it is. Um, you can see yeah. online. So thanks, Vic. Um, I'm so so happy that you got to run into him. Please uh, send him my regards as well. Will do. All right, and here is a little feedback from our very own Captain Keith, live from London. Well, not live. Hello, Squawk Guidance friends. Captain Keith here. Today on my layover in London, with three months to go until I retire, I thought I'd give you a quick update on my layover activities here in London. 
Today we started with a quick coffee and then a walk through the neighborhood known as Pimlico, where I stumbled upon a bow shop. So I had to stop in and sample the offerings there. Uh, they have beef short rib and uh, chicken curry bows on the menu today. From there, I went to uh, Victoria Tower Gardens along the Thames River next to uh, Westminster. Lovely sunny day in London, and everyone is out, uh, height of the tourist season. Everybody's around, and from there, we went to uh, Covent Garden. Show you a quick little run through Covent Garden here. As you can tell in the video, everybody is out, locals and tourists alike. Covent Garden is a very popular tourist spot. Lots of restaurants and shops here, and street performers as well. People coming and going, and here we go through uh, the entryway. Uh, and that takes us to Seven Dials Market, where I always stop at the Cheese Bar, my favorite place to stop in London. Uh, they have cheese on rotating conveyor, much like a sushi bar would be, but except uh, we have cheese. And I highly recommend this as a stop when you're visiting the city. The Cheese Bar is located in the Seven Dials area, so it's a very popular spot. And from there, we go past the line, or the queue as they say, for Dishoom, the most popular Indian restaurant in London. Wow. Uh, people queue up here sometimes an hour or more just to get in, uh, especially before theater time. This is also right next to Chinatown, another favorite spot that I like to go uh, almost every time I'm in London. Lots of restaurants and shops here, and again, tourists and lots of street performers. Chinatown is located by the Leicester Square uh, Underground Station, very easy to get to from anywhere in the city. Lots of people are around, and London is a great destination for anyone from all corners of the world, you walk around through Chinatown here particularly, and you hear so many different languages being spoken. Pandemic is over, and everybody is back and enjoying their time in the city. And from here, it's a short walk over to Piccadilly Circus, another famous landmark, kind of like the Times Square of London. And then through uh, Green Park, lovely afternoon, people are uh, sitting around, walking through, and Green Park, of course, is right next to Buckingham Palace. Lots of recent activity uh, with the coronation at Buckingham Palace. And from there, back to my hotel, where I've done about 12,000 steps and a bit over five miles walking. So that's my layover in London. Hope you enjoyed, and we'll speak to you again soon. Fantastic. Uh, thank you, Captain Keith, for sharing your layover uh, walkabout with us. You know, five miles, that's uh, of walking it's around. It's going to be you, London. Terry. Yeah, that's that's awesome. I'm taking notes because uh, the bulk of our 7576 flying is is London. So Nice. Nice. Yep. So there you go. You know, if you ever have a question, just reach out to Captain Keith and he'll he'll point you in the right direction. Um, he Definitely. I think uh, last time he sent me a message... I believe he and his beautiful wife decided to take a little holiday uh, before his retirement and ended up, let's see, where is he now? Uh, Athens? Greece, I think. That's awesome. Um, and he's on his way to, let's see here, Athens, Greece, on his way to Santorini, Greece. So I'm hoping 
that he sends us some more. Now, granted, these are, I think, holiday trips, not the London trip was a layover. And, and you know, so he right. usually sends me layover videos, and, and which I appreciate because he's been trying to get me to go over to Narrow Body FO or I'm sorry, wide body yeah. FO um, for a while now. He goes, come on, we can fly together before I retire. It'd be fun. And, and it just, you know, wasn't in the cards for me right now. Maybe in the future, yeah. I'll do some wide body flying. Terry, you might convince me if you start telling me some stories. <laughs> you got to do <laughs> oh, it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, thank you again, Keith. Um, I'm sure the listeners enjoyed listening to that. When I get a chance after all this upgrade training and stuff, you know, we're talking months probably, but um, probably... Uh, I need to get back in the YouTube game. I have not produced a YouTube video in, I think, over a year. Um, I got plenty of footage. I just, <laughs> it takes time and effort, and that's not something that's on the cards right now. But thank again, thank you again, uh, Captain Keith. Um, also, uh, for those of you that listen to other podcasts around here, uh, which we highly encourage, uh, I gave some feedback, as I often do, maybe a few times a year. I'll send some feedback over to one of my other favorite podcasts, the Airline Pilot Guy Show, and I did a little feedback on an incident that happened with a Delta flight in San Francisco that they spoke about. Um, and that feedback was uh, replayed on episode 571 of the Airline Pilot Guy show, The Bean Town Bus Drivers, the title of that one. And about two hours into it, I sent him an audio feedback, a couple of minutes long, talking about how sometimes we miss some crucial information at the bottom of the ADISs. And the controllers get all bent out of shape. Now, the, the incident that they were talking about happened when a Delta Airlines crew got scolded on the radio. Of course, there's audio of that on their show. You can listen to it. Um, they got scolded on the radio because they were on the ADIS at the bottom. It said, make sure before you call for taxi that all pilots must have performance numbers for both one left and one right. And they taxied out and were told cross one left, you know, line up and wait one right. And they said, well, we need to put, plug in the numbers. And they're like, well, can you do it in, in two minutes or less? I've got traffic on final. And the FL says, yeah, it should work. And of course, about a minute and a half into it, she's like, are you guys ready to go? And he's like, no. So she told him to taxi off the runway, which they did. And, you know, the other aircraft landed. And then she proceeded to scold them saying, hey, you know, didn't you read the ATIS? And, you know, the FO, of course, replies back and was like, yes, we read the ATIS, you know. Um, so they had a little tit for tat and they talked about it on the show. And I was listening to the show and I was driving and I recorded some feedback and sent it to them and they were very gracious to, to play it on the air but if you're interested to hear what i had to say um make sure you go to airline pilot guy show check it out it's uh, like i said about two hours into episode 571 um so and again thank you to captain jeff nielsen and the airline pilot guy crew for you know allowing me to to share my thoughts as well so saying nice that's great cool thank you thank you <laughs> um i'm just gonna wrap the show today uh by saying thank you to Captain Rob and to, to Terry uh, for joining us and giving us all the their wisdom on training and the gouge and you know all what's expected in studying and CPTs and all that stuff. Uh, also, we hope that you enjoyed listening to our flight today. If you did, please pay it forward by sharing this podcast with your friends and family. Be sure to subscribe or follow the Squawk Ident podcast on whatever pl podcast platform you are listening on. We also love receiving listener feedback. Please make sure you just send it to us in an email. You can send us audio feedback as well. Right there from your phone. Just record something and email it to us. You can find all that information on our website at aviatortony.com. That's Alpha, Victor, the number 8, Romeo, Tango, Oscar, November, Yankee, Com. You can also follow us on Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram. Just search Squawk Ident Podcast. 
And one final thank you to all of you for taking the time to listen to these grateful aviators. Keep the dirty side down out there. Stay safe and take care of each other. Bye, y'all. See ya. See ya. Good luck in training, fellas. Thank you. Thank, Thank you. you. I know I know you don't need luck, but you guys are going to crush it. Not gonna Enjoy happen. it, because we only live once. So. That's right. So we're, and we're, we're doing what our, I think, well, at least I say, we're doing, I'm doing what my younger self wanted to do, so don't yeah. disappoint them. Don't disappoint yourself. Thank you. Yep. <laughs> That's a good one. I like That's it. Right. Yeah. Hold on.
landed. It's, it's an entirely, entirely different, different kind of flying. flying.